In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing the lessons learned from a deadly church attack. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, The 2022 Tulsa Cathedral Stabbing and Arson Attempt. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So our Bible verse today comes from Lamentations 2, verse 20, and it reads like this, Behold, O Lord, and consider to whom thou hast done this. Shall the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? Good verse for us today because oftentimes we're shocked by the attacks against a church. We simply are. That's all there is to say to it. We hear about it. It's a surprise. We're shocked. And we really, at that point, you know, depending on your faith, my faith, I get on my knees and I pray and I say, God, you know, how could this occur? And and how can we stop this from occurring again? And it's always a shock. It's always surprising. It's always um, a little scary in realizing the scope and the frequency of these types of situations. And we, we as sheepdogs, we as safety team members, need to be really paying attention to these kind of things and really learning from them as much as we possibly can. And that's the whole point of our Lessons Learned series from these different church of tacks, is we want to look at these situations, take a close look at them, see what went right, see what went wrong, and then think about how we could make it go right. And talk with our teams, talk with our staff, talk to other volunteers to ensure that we have a very effective plan. And in this case, the church actually had a pretty good plan. And a lot of things went right in this situation. But we're also going to look at some lessons learned, some things that they could have done better or things that maybe they shouldn't do. And it's not to be a kind of judging them. It's not that at all. We're honoring them and honoring their experience by looking at how things could be done better. All right, so before we continue, I just want to remind you, share this video. Get it out to your team, get it out to staff and volunteers. And I, and I know I say that in every program, but I'm hoping that you're seeing the actual wisdom in this, is that one of the things you have to do as a safety team member is keeping the safety ministry front of mind. And one of the ways you can do that is by not only sharing this program with other people on your team, staff, and volunteers, but then you following on and asking them about the video, asking them about what their thoughts are about the situation, ask them what their thoughts are about what this church did right and what this church did wrong. And maybe if this happened at your church, how could you make it better? And so that's the whole reason behind the download that we offer. So if you go down into the comment section, for all of the lessons learned, they're on there for weeks. And so if you click on that, then you put in your email address, your name, email address. What happens is immediately you get that download. And with that download, it's like a one-page download. And it's kind of just a summary of this program with talking points. And it can be a tool you use to print off and then go chase down your team and say, hey, what did you think about this? Hey, 
Pastor, what do you think about this? Board, volunteer the children's section. What do you think about this? And engage them in that conversation. And that's really, at the end of the day, that's one of the ways you can really build a solid safety ministry. All right. So let's get in the details of this situation and see what we can learn from it. All right. It was about four o'clock on a Sunday, Wednesday afternoon in Tulsa. Classes had lit out at the Holy Family Classical Church, which was next to the Holy Family Cathedral. Um, But after school activities were going on, uh, several students with teachers and staff were on the cathedral steps taking pictures. The front desk attendant was watching them. Good deal. A middle-aged man carrying a cooler and a long object across the street um, he set the cooler down and approached some of the adults as he was, um, and he started talking threateningly. Um, a long object turned out to be a f- two-foot sword. Um, a bell sounded, and the students and the staff went into the school and locked the door. The desk attendant came down to calm the man. There was a struggle. The attendant was cut in the hand. He went inside, locked the door, awaiting police who had already been called. The attacker tried to get in, but all the doors were locked. He walked into the space between the church and the school, opened the cooler, took out two glass bottles, put rags in the neck. Um, He lit the rags and threw the bottles at the cathedral windows. So basically, Maritav cocktails here. Um, They burst into flame, but did not go through the windows. Very good. Damage was limited to some broken glass. The man then ran to his car and drove away. The entire event was recorded by the church's security cameras. While police were at the cathedral, a call came in for a bomb threat at a store a few miles southeast, not far from Broken Arrow. That's the name of a town. Um, About an hour and a half, one and a half hours later, after the stabbing, the arson attempt at the whole and the arson attempt at the Holy Family, they found the suspect's car in a store parking lot. The suspect, who was carrying a Bible, did not obey police orders, and he was tased and arrested. Um, in his car was the sword and the cooler. So a little bit about the subject here. The subject um, in the cathedral stabbing is 48 years old. He is from. I'm going to say this wrong. Okamulji, um, which is about 10 to 12 miles south of Tulsa. At the time of the cathedral attack, he was a resident of Broken Arrow, which um, borders Tulsa, not far from where he was arrested for the bomb threat. He is a member of the Indian Nation of Oklahoma. So far, little other, um, so far, little other information is known about him. Um, the attacker has been arrested several times since he, um, since he was 32 and served time in prison. In 2006, he was arrested for first-degree burglary and sentenced to prison. After prison, he was arrested for, twice for writing bogus checks. And in 2020, he was arrested for assault and battery. Um, and, of course, considering his record, What happened on October 5th is no surprise. Um, The aftermath, the Holy Family Cathedral held a mass of thanksgiving for safety and honored the front desk attendant. Uh, 
um, for his role in protecting the children at, of the school. Um, the suspect was charged with attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon, possession of an unregistered incinerated device, the Monotov cocktails, uh, attempted first-degree arson of an occupied structure. Um, the charges are federal for two reasons. The, uh, the arson attack on the church, Monotov cocktails are explosive device, and his membership in a native tribe. Um, tribe. So therefore, it'll be held in U.S. District Court. So here's the less, uh, some lessons learned. I want, just like Wesley did, I want to focus on what they did right. Okay, let's start with that because they did a lot of things right. The first thing is the school is was fenced in. Around the Holy Family Classical School has a wrought iron fence all around it. Uh, notable is the fence extends between the front of the school building and the sidewalk. So basically, because this school is surrounded by a wrought iron fence, he can't get past that to attack children, teachers, all that kind of stuff. Great. Fences go a long way. And I know it's not always cosmetically um, the thing we want to do. We know that fences can be extremely expensive, but be Depending on your situation, a fence can go a long way in protecting people. It becomes that first layer of defense. All right, next thing, surveillance cameras outside, and they had good coverage. The entire incident was captured by the churches and the school surveillance cameras. Um, they show everything from the man crossing the street to throwing the Matatov cocktails at the church windows. Uh, and the videos enabled police to accurately identify the bomb threat suspect at the store as the assailant from the cathedral. Great job. A lot to be said about good cameras. They don't stop crimes just like this, but it does help police capture them, catch them. Also, too, it can serve as an additional warning. So if you have cameras in place, <clears throat> not only should there be recordings, but more importantly, somebody should be sitting there watching the cameras. Now, it doesn't say here, um, but was the attendant watching the video cameras? Does he have monitors and be able to say, hey, that doesn't look right, and then respond to it? All right, watcher on duty. Um, so the attendant, um, in many Catholic churches, it's greeters and ushers who fulfill the roles of safety and security team. Um, in this case, the greeter um, at the front desk attendant was the front desk attendant. And while the staff and children were on the church steps taking school pictures, the attendant was watching. Um, he saw the man with the sword crossing the street. He alerted someone to call 911, activated the sig signal for everyone to go inside. Um, and I'm going to have a different take on this, but engaging the assailant, he gave others, others time to get inside. So he stalled the guy. We're going to come back to that. Um, called 911, whether it was the front desk attendant or a person inside, someone called 911 right away. Great job. Lockout and uh, lockdown plan. The school and the cathedral had a plan for lockouts and lockdowns. So when they went inside, they did it. This is something I haven't thought a lot about. The next one is they had an outside to inside plan. 
And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is brilliant. I mean, I had never considered this. You know, a lot of our churches, we have times where the kids are outside. There's activities going on. I think about our one church. They had like, they had, you know, they'd come out of the church and there was this little path that went into this clearing, kind of in a wooded area. And they would have different fire, you know, fires and, and they would, you know, whatever, have events there. And honestly, I never put together a plan of how if they were in that situation and a threat showed up, how they would then egress or whatever, um, go back inside the church and go into lockdown. I never put together a plan like that. What a brilliant idea. Whoever's doing their safety and security, they're next level. They even went to the point of having some sort of notification system, right? So this alarm, this bell that went off, was a notification to those teachers and those kids that were doing, you know, having their, you know, pictures taken out on the step. They knew it was time to go in. They had to go in and lock down and, you know, lock out, you know, lock those exterior doors and get into a safe classroom where they could close things off. Very good job here. Uh, they called 911. We already discussed that. Either the attendant or someone else called 911. Um, lockdown plan. Um, all right. Next thing. Uh, when the lockdown, once again, alerts to let people know what was going on so they knew to get inside lockdown. And then this is where I'm going to take a, a slightly different approach than Wesley took. He talks about active engagement. And the front desk attendant came out and confronted the attacker buying time for others to get inside to safety. Um, it was the duty of the safety team to keep the attacker from advancing um, if they can. The effective sheepdog keeps the wolf um, from the sheep. I'm going to add one thing to this. It is true, as Wesley says, that if we have a suspicious person or a potentially violent person, um, the best case scenario is for somebody to make contact with that person, to have some sort of conversation. Maybe they can de-escalate. Maybe they become the focus of the attack and allow, allows that, that person, that safety team member, in this case the attendant, to possibly stop the attack before it really gets going. The mistake made here, or the caveat I would add is this. You, as a safety team member, or really anyone, should never approach a suspicious person or a potentially violent person on your own. You always, always, always need to have backup. If you don't have backup, let the police do it. Now, in this case, I'm not in the shoes of the attendant. I don't know what they saw. I don't know how they perceived the situation. I don't even know what they were trained to do. But if the kids and the, everyone moves inside and the church or, and the school are in lockdown, then there's no reason to go out there, especially as an individual, to approach this person. There's no reason at all. 
And in that attendant, the response was, is they got cut in the hand. It could have been much worse, right? I mean, the guy had a sword. He could have skewered him. He could have cut his throat. A lot of things could have happened. So why did the attendant leave the safety of the cathedral once everybody was in lockdown to go out there? There's no reason at all, especially alone. If there's a violent attack or a violent person outside the church, and 75% of all violent attacks start in the parking lot, and you're safely locked into the church, and in this case also safely locked in the church, there's no, uh, or the school, there's no reason at all to go out there, especially going out there alone. Recently, some of you are tracking this, is a safety team member was killed in a parking lot late at night, and he, be, partly because he approached a suspicious vehicle without backup. Now, I, I don't want to be too harsh here, or I, I think you all know my heart. We have to think about this. We can't, <clears throat> we should never, ever, 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 approach a suspicious or, or potentially violent person by yourself. We need backup. We need somebody who's going to be standing off to the side and then can respond and provide aid depending on the action of that suspicious person or that violent intruder. They can take action. They, they provide a type of cover. That's why we call it contact and cover. One person contacts, the other person covers them. And then they can provide assistance. So please... This has to be a rule across the board. Let your team know. Let your staff know. Let your other volunteers never approach a suspicious person without backup. The other thing I would add is this, and we don't know this about this situation, is people should not do things they have not been trained to do. I don't know what this attendance training was. Um, were they trained in verbal de-escalation? Were they trained and if the verbal de-escalation doesn't work, were they trained in less lethal uses of force? Were they trained in using deadly force? We don't know that. But ultimately it comes down to is this, is don't, think, don't do things you're not trained for. Normally when we talk about that, we talk about that in the context of medical assistance. You know, if you're first aid, you know, CPR certified, by all means, do everything you're trained to do. Don't try to give them a tracheotomy. Don't try to do a pneumothorax, you know, decompression of the chest. You know, if you haven't been trained to do that, then don't do that. In this case here, what was this attendant's training on approaching a potentially violent person? And it seems like there was a lot of evidence there that suggested this was a person that was potentially violent. He was making verbal threats. And so why'd they go out there, especially when they and everybody else was in the safety of the school and um, the church? So two takeaways, don't do anything you weren't trained to do. Two, don't approach a bad guy unless it's necessary and, and or you have backup. And I would say always backup. 
if you don't have backup, let the police handle it. This is the beauty of uh, a safety ministry. When in doubt, let the police take care of it. Let them. They're trained. They're equipped. They have all kinds of um, protections that you don't have. Um, they have a vest. They have a radio. They have backup on the way. They have a dispatcher who's paying attention. They have all these kind of things that you don't have. Let them take care of it. So before I let you go, I just want to encourage you is if you haven't gone through our certification, you need to get part of our certification. We cover a lot of this in great detail from everything from active shooters to de-escalating um, disruptive people to use of force laws. We cover mass trauma. We cover fire, arson, child protect. I mean, we cover all this kind of stuff. And what it's going to do for you is this, <clears throat> is I get, since you're listening to this program, you probably have a lot of experiences and knowledge, maybe military, law enforcement, security, maybe you've been doing this for a while, you know, other professions, maybe you're just somebody who likes to watch YouTube videos and you've learned a lot. What we try to do is we try to create a baseline understanding and knowledge of all these kind of topics. And then what it does for you is this, is once you have that baseline, you can build on that, either as an individual or really as a church. So by all means, please check this out. A lot of people going through, right now I looked this morning, 790 students are currently enrolled in this program. Over Since we start on this new platform, over 4,000 students representing hundreds of churches have gone through this training. It's good training. It's going to help you and help your team, staff, and volunteers really take your safety ministry to the next level. So other than that, you know, if, if you like this video, please share, like, comment, hit the su subscribe button so you get notifications of when uh, the next program comes out. Be sure to check out all the links in the description. That's where you're going to find these little one-page um, one page descriptions, you know, cheat sheets, if you will, to help you continue the conversation at your church. Other than that, thank you so much for joining us this week. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.